heart, and let's get into the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 8 we're going to look at, and then we're going to skip down to verse 11. As always, the scriptures will be uh, up on the screens for you, and, and if you're able to, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor uh, to the reading of the Holy Word of God. We believe that uh, the Word of God is holy. We believe that God uses it to change, to challenge, to transform our lives. And so this is God speaking to us. This is God speaking to you this morning. Again, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to, uh, to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Yet God has made everything. Would you say everything with me this morning? Everything. One more time, everything. everything. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has even planted eternity inside of the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Verse 11, again, the first part, yet God has made everything, everything, everything beautiful for its own time. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again for your holy word. Uh, we thank you for your people that are present here, attentive, ready to receive from you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that he would comfort us, that he would counsel us. I pray, God, that you would help us to recognize the the signs of the times, the season that we're in right now. And uh, Lord, that you would challenge us in whatever season we're in. Have your way today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So listen, the scripture that we just read was written by King David's son, Solomon. The great King Solomon was known for many things, but three of the main things that stand out when you talk about Solomon are that he was known for his wisdom, he was known for his wealth, and believe it or not, he was known for his many wives. Uh, if you've ever done research or read in the Old Testament, he had about 700 plus wives, which um, is crazy. I can't even fathom, um, but it is what it is. So it's interesting, it's interesting that several thousand years ago, uh, Solomon penned these words that remind us today in 2023 about the seasons of our lives. Now listen, whether you realize it or not, human beings have a, a general preoccupation with time and, and we know really that we're creatures of time by the way that we manage it. How many of you, are there any of you that still have to wear a watch? Anybody wear a watch here this morning? Or how many of you have a device that will tell you the time this morning? And so um, we are definitely creatures of time. And so we, have, we also have schedules and appointments set by dates on a calendar. And, and just like last night, we got to turn our, our clocks back an hour to supposedly extend daylight. 
Uh, but I never get that when it's dark at like 3 or 4 o'clock uh, this time of year. And see, some of us wish we had more time in a day. I don't know if you've ever started your chore list or your, the things you have to do, your honeydew list or whatever, and you wish you had more time in that day, uh, maybe some more time in a week, or especially when we're busy with important tasks or goals. Uh, we also know larger amounts of time by the tracking of months and years. And then we might break that down even further into seasons of spring and summer and fall and winter. Now, as we compare our four seasons in nature, some people have said that generally, uh, things generally start to initially sprout in the spring. They really grow by the summertime, and then they fulfill their purpose in the fall, and often they die or lie dormant in the winter. And so what's the point? What's the point this morning? You, you see, for, for us as human beings, a season of life is literally a time frame. It is a time frame in your life that, is been, uh, that has been allotted or appointed for something to happen. I always say this, God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And so he's got something that he wants to do with me. He's got something that he wants to do with you. And so this morning, we're going to ask ourselves several questions. And, and so one of the things that I, that, that I want to ask or start to, you, uh, to challenge you to ask yourself this morning is what is happening in your life right now? What is happening in your life right now? We're all different. We're all in different places. But uh, are you starting something new? Are you maybe right now in a season where you are growing? Do you feel like you're maybe fulfilling your purpose right now? Or do you feel like things are rather dormant? Again, let me point out that God has actually arranged th things here on, on earth and in, the in our lives to operate in seasons for a reason. Our text, I believe it said it best in verse one, if you go back there, for everything, say everything, for everything there is a season. And so again, with the questions, what, what season are you experiencing right now? It goes on to say, verse one goes on to say, a time for every activity under heaven. And so I ask, is God preparing you for something? Do you feel that? Is God preparing you or, or are you reaping right now something that you have sown in the past? Listen, I, I get it. Those are some pretty hard, tough questions, heavy questions. And you, you may or may not like the season that you're in right now, but if you want peace and if you want understanding in your season of life, you, you really have to do some evaluation. You have to evaluate right now. You have to choose to evaluate where you have been as a person, where you are today, uh, and where you are going in your life in order to help you to better understand the season of your life. Now listen, I, I feel like King Solomon is an interesting case study because uh, we know from his life that he had everything. I remember as a kid or as a, a teenager, I had a friend who lived in a, a different community and they, they were in a, his family was in a different income bracket. I, I grew up poor. And so his family was in a different income bracket. And so I remember, and I used to think some of my friends, are like, man, they have like every toy or they have every game thing or, you know, whatever. They, they are blessed. They, they've got everything. And here Solomon was, if you know anything about him and uh, his life, he had everything that he ever wanted or, or even everything he thought he needed. And yet he called it vanity. 
He called it vanity of vanities. He called it meaningless. He basically called it junk or, or being worthless. And so think about that this morning, that if uh, someone like Solomon who had everything would consider all that he had vanity or meaningless or worthless, that's, that should speak something to us as well. And so, see, many of us today, we are striving for so many things. And, and yet the man who had it all said it all amounted to nothing. At the end of the day, Solomon said uh, in his final conclusion towards the end of his life, uh, as he evaluated everything, again, he was the wisest man alive. And so his final conclusion about life and about the season of life, it was to fear God and obey his commands. And so you and I, we need to hear that this morning. We need to let that sink in. And so that no matter what season you're in right now, no matter what season you find yourself in, remember that it's important wherever God has you. And so I challenge you this morning to hang on, to hang in there. Remember that obedience and faithfulness in the season that you're in right now is gonna usher you into the next. And I, listen, I get it. I've been in a place where I've been unsatisfied in my life at one time or another. I've been in that place where maybe I felt broken and, and I was tired of being broken or I was in a season where I was confused and not really sure what the future held for me next. And so we get impatient. We get like, I've said this before, we're like the fast food generation. We want our answer. We want the turnaround. We want the breakthrough yesterday. And when it doesn't come, we're like, God, uh, come on, help me here. Help me here. But obedience and faithfulness in the season you're in is going to help you. You can't shortcut the process. You can't. You got to let God uh, do what he's doing. And so let's go back to our text. And in verses two through eight, Solomon actually lays out uh, the idea that there is a set time for all of life's experiences, for all of life's expectations. And I want you to notice how he uses opposites, right? He uses opposites as a way of covering everything in between. I said this in the earlier service. I, I heard uh, uh, several sermons and teachings in the past about, um, you know, in, in the life of a person, of, in the life of a human being, uh, at the end of life, when you have passed away, there is usually a gravestone that they put over you, right? And, and in that, on that gravestone, there is usually a start date and there is usually a what? An expiration or a, a date of your death, right? But there's something interesting in between that should challenge us, that should get us thinking today. What is that, that thing in between? Anybody know what that is? A dash or a hyphen? And so listen, this morning, we're talking about the season of your life. We're basically talking about your dash. How's your dash going? How's your dash right now that you're experiencing? And listen, I get it. We're all in different places. Some of us might not be happy with our dash. Some of us might not be happy with that hyphen. But I, I, again, Simon, uh, not Simon, Solomon uses opposites to cover everything in between. And again, times and timing are very important. And as much as we try, if you don't, newsflash, if you don't know this by now, we can't control everything about life no matter how hard we try. We can't control everything about life no matter how hard we try. And in a group like this, there's always one or two control freaks. And uh, you have tried to control things. You have tried to make things go a certain way. And uh, you can't control everything. Say everything. everything. You can't control everything. Verse 2 tells us that there's a time to be born. 
and a time to die. And so we have, listen, we have no control over the day that we're born. That is our start date, right? If we want to label it. You have no control over the day that you're born. We have no control over who we were born to. We also have no control over how we look when we're born. I said this in the earlier service. Uh, if you have had a, a bad upbringing or a rough upbringing, sometimes you're like, man, I wish that my mom and dad was not my mom and dad. Pastor Freddie, I know that sounds rough, but if you knew how I was raised and you, if you knew what I experienced, you would understand why I'm saying that. And others would say, you know, well, I, Pastor Freddie, if I'm on, I don't like the way I look. I, I've been told I'm ugly. I've been told I'm, I'm, my looks are not appealing. And so I wish I looked different. I wish I, I didn't have the appearance. But you have no choice in that matter. It has happened. You have no control. We have no control over whether we've been born into a wealthy family or into a poor family, even if we wish we did. But again, all of these things are determined by God. Again, there's a time to be born. We also have no control over the natural time of our death, right? I label this our expiration date. And whether you realize it or like it or not, you may Lord tarries. And we like to say Jesus is coming back, right? That's what the Bible says. That's what we believe. That Jesus is coming back. But if the Lord tarries, if he does not return in our, li in our, in our lifetime, we have uh, an expiration date. And, you know, even though people have searched and searched feverishly for a fountain or a formula of youth, if you find one, please let me know. But even though people have searched, only God knows when you will, you and I will breathe our last breath. I, I shared this with the earlier service as well. Uh, when I was in Bible college, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And if you know about a diagnosis of cancer, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of thing that goes into that. And I was new. I was a freshman in Bible college. And, and uh, man, I was ready to pack my bags and head home. And uh, my mom would not take that for a solution or an answer. I talked to her on the phone. I'm like, no, I'm leaving. She said, no, you're not. You do not pack your bags and you do not come home. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God has my life in his hand. And I believe that on the day I breathe my last breath, it is the will of God. So when I'm done, I'm done. And in the meantime, I'm going to believe God for my healing in the meantime, I'm going to believe God that every day I have is a blessing from God. And so I'm going to live it to the fullest. And so, again, we have a time to be born and we have a time to die, an expiration date. And only God knows that date. And so just to give you the, 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 the end on that is they gave her like six or seven days to live and she lived six or seven years. And so she got to enjoy life and life and life. And, uh, you know, for my mom, I got to enjoy my mom for that many more years. And listen, I chose my words carefully when I said what I said a little while ago, because I said that we have no control over our natural death. Did you hear that? You have, we have no control over our natural time of our death. And the reason I say that is because sadly, we know that the devil, Satan, has lied to many, many individuals out there, uh, lied to them about ending their life too soon, right? And so natural death is something that's allowed by God in, in these earthly bodies because of, the, because of original sin, basically. And so if some of you don't like the idea of dying or an expiration date, you need to take that up with Adam and Eve because they messed it up. We were created to live for all eternity, and then they sinned. 
We were created to, to live in paradise and to experience all of God's blessings, and then they sinned. And so some people are like, when I get to heaven, my first encounter, my first meeting, some people say Jesus, other people say, I'm talking to Adam and Eve. And some of you ladies, too, if you've given birth in your life, you're, the pain of childbirth, it's Eve's fault. So you have a conversation with Eve when you get up there. Listen, we, we all have an appointment with death that we're going to have to keep someday. And so that being said, make the most of your life. Make the most of your life. Stop wasting time and, and wishing your life away and, and begin to live for Jesus if you're not already. I mean, I remember a time in my life when I was younger and I wanted to be a year older and I wanted to be in a different season. And, and I saw kids, you know, when I couldn't drive, I wanted to drive. And, and when I saw young couples getting married, I wanted to get married. And when I saw them buying homes and all of these things, I wanted those things. And I found myself wishing my life away. And now I'm a little older and hopefully a little wiser. And I kind of wish I could go back and, and slow it down. And so some of the, the people of wisdom in my life used to say, hey, slow it down. Enjoy your days. Enjoy your day by, listen, you will be old enough eventually, right? You will, you know, it, it's going to happen. And so, don't, you know, don't wish your life away. Store up treasures in heaven and, and really let God use your life to, to reach people for his glory. Verse 2 goes on to say that there's a time to plant and uh, a time to harvest. And I don't know that we have any farmers or former farmers in the house. I have no clue on farming or even, uh, you know, I have a black thumb usually. I kill things. I don't bring things to life when it comes to plants and all that stuff. But there's a time to plant and a time uh, to harvest. And, and so everything has to happen at the right time when it comes to planting and harvesting. In fact, if you get out of sync, you can mess things up and get into some real big trouble. For example, uh, try to plant a crop in the middle of winter in New England when the snow is already on the ground. And what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> it probably isn't going to grow. But at the same time, if you wait too long and you plant seeds in the heat of summer, your seeds may actually not get enough rain to even germinate. Again, there's a time. There is a time to plant. And I, I think half, the problem, uh, half the, the problem in life is that we are constantly trying to do things in the wrong season without God's guidance. We're constantly trying to do things in the wrong season without God's guidance. In fact, listen, I don't know about you. We have a tendency to like to run our own schedules, but the reality is God has already, he already has a schedule for you. He already has a schedule for me. And if we just took the time to ask him, God, what's on the agenda? Agenda? What do you have in store for me? You and I would be better off. Again, there's a right time for everything. And yet we want to tell God. We want to tell God how to do it. We want to tell God when to do it. We want to tell God where to do it. Listen, we have to remember that God is God and we are not. God is God and we are not. And so if we're smart, we should be seeking God for his wisdom about planting and harvesting. Like, like God, how long do I keep sowing into this fill in the blank before I expect it to yield? 
How long do I keep investing? How long do I keep sowing? And uh, listen, uh, you can apply this wisdom to almost anything in life. And see, some of us have sown into jobs with employers that are taking advantage of us for way too long. And it's really not a career. And others have faithfully sown into relationships that are clearly one-sided. And, and at the very least, there should be a conversation. But either way, you and I, we need God's wisdom in every season of life to know what step to take right? To know how to move forward. Verse three says that there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Some would say, Pastor Freddie, the sixth commandment says, thou shalt not kill. So how in the world can the Bible, the same Bible say that there's a time to kill? Well, thou shalt not kill means that you shouldn't commit premeditated murder. It, it, it does not mean that you are not to go to war to protect your family or your country. And listen, one example of a, a time to kill is shown by God allowing the, the firstborn to be killed in Egypt during the, the very first Passover. Uh, that, that really happened. Another example might be when David killed Goliath. Again, God allowed it and God approved it. You see, there's a time to kill, but it has to be a time that God has appointed and, and never a time of our own choosing to, to kill for selfish reasons. And so, listen, this morning, no mother-in-laws, no daughter's boyfriends, no co-worker that eats the last donut or beats you to the last parking lot on a very busy morning. Those are not times to kill. And I say that because we're getting ready to go into Thanksgiving and into Christmas, and some people lose their minds at the retail store during the holidays. Some people will cut you for a parking lot spot. Some people will want to hurt you. It's crazy. Those are not times to kill. There are, there's also a time to heal. I, I don't know if you realize this, but most of Jesus' ministry here on earth involved healing. Everyone who had faith to be healed was healed by Jesus. Why do you say it that way? Because the, when Je we know that when Jesus went to his own hometown, they lacked the faith, and so the healing slowed and even stopped, and Jesus made a point of saying, I couldn't do this here because of their lack of faith. And as his people, God wants us, I don't know if you realize, God wants you, God wants me to be instruments and conduits of healing. Like in the New Testament, if you read uh, 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 about how God wants us to lay hands on the sick and, and to offer healing in the name of Jesus, how many of you know that God still heals today? God, God still, I feel actually sorry for people who feel like that ended with the disciples or that God does not move in that supernatural way. My Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that I, I believe that the Bible says what it means and it means what it says. And so that continues today. But, but listen, God may also want to use you to help in that process. He may want to use you to, to help heal friendships and relationships. See, the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus wants to offer life abundantly, and he would love to do it through some of us, some of you. And so listen, let God use you by bringing Jesus into some of those broken places and watch God heal through you. Listen, you, some of you, you have uh, spheres of influence that I don't have. You know people who maybe their marriage right now is on the rocks. You have friends maybe that are talking about divorce. You have coworkers that maybe at one time or another, they have talked about harming or hurting themselves. And I want you to know that you didn't overhear that on accident. 
I want you to know that you're not maybe in some of those relationships with friendships and, and other relationships by accident. God put you there on a purpose, and that is part of the season of your life, and He wants to use you. Be willing. Be willing to be used. God wants to heal through you. Verse 3 goes on to say that there's a time to tear down and a, a time to build up. Buildings and structures, right? They get torn down and built up all around us all the time. Laws and belief systems get torn down and built up too. God allows some old things to be torn down so that he can build some new things. I, I said this and this was extra and I'm remembering it now again for you is that sometimes we need to be careful about the things that we hold so tightly to that are maybe in the church or maybe in your walk with Jesus, maybe that you've seen over the years and you think that that is Christianity in a nutshell or that's how I want to serve God or, or you know what? And I, I use this as a crazy example because, believe it or not, I've experienced, I can't go to Crosspoint Church because you don't wear a, 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 a suit and tie when you preach. I can't go to Crosspoint Church because you guys turn the lights out during worship. I can't go to Crosspoint Church because of this or that. And I kind of called that like a holy cow. We've got to watch out what things we are considering, what things we have labeled by our actions as a holy cow. Because the very thing you are holding on to might be the very thing God is trying to remove to bring in something new. So listen, God allows some old things to be torn down so that he can build some new things up. It's a part of life. In that process, God is showing his power. He is showing his creative nature to accomplish his purpose. And listen, I admit it and I admit all the time, I'm, I resist change. I have a hard time. I've been with other pastors and I feel like I'm in the minority. A lot of them are like faith and, and yes, let's go. Something new, something fresh. And, and I kind of drag my feet a little bit. And, and Lord, forgive me in that process. But he works with me. Thank God for his grace. Uh, but sometimes we have to be open. We, you know, even when we don't understand why something is happening, why something is being torn down, why something is being taken away, even when we don't understand why, we should trust God's hand. We should trust God's hand. Listen, there have been many things growing up that I saw come and go. And again, I haven't always enjoyed the process, but in the end, God always, say always, God always builds something beautiful. And so trust him. Verse four says that there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to cry and a time to laugh. I think we don't have to go too, too much into this. I, I said in the earlier service, I'm kind of a crier. And so I, I am not embarrassed by that. I used to be, but I'm not. And, uh, you know, because people say, you know, after all, you know, real men aren't supposed to cry. Stop being a cry, baby. Said, so, wrong? No. See, the shortest sentence in the Bible, the shortest verse in the Bible says that Jesus wept. And we know that he's our example in everything. And so we know for a fact that there are times when we cry. Amen? Times when we cry. And, and, and you know, we might cry when someone hurts us. We might cry when a family member moves away. We might cry at the loss of a family member, at the loss of a friend, at the loss of a job or a home, and, and it's okay to cry. Psalm 30 in verse 5, the, the second part of it says, tears or weeping or crying may endure or last through the night, but what comes in the morning? Joy. Joy comes in the morning. So listen, tears, weeping, and crying, 
all a part of the seasons of life. It's not my job, it's not anybody's job to tell you or anybody uh, when they've cried enough tears. But remember the second half of that too. Joy comes in the morning. Verse 4 also says that there's a time to laugh. I've discovered, the older I get, I've discovered that there's healing in laughter. There's healing in laughter. We don't laugh enough. And and sometimes we laugh at the wrong things. But the, the truth is, there is healing in laughter. It's good to laugh. There's a time to laugh. Now, listen, you may have heard the expression, laugh and the world laughs with you. Cry and you cry alone. And very often that is true. And yet we laugh at parties. We laugh at weddings. Uh, we can even laugh at graduations. But then verse 4 goes on to say that there's a time to grieve and there's a time to dance. Like when we lose a loved one, it's a pretty natural thing to grieve, right? A son or a daughter caught in the grips of addiction might cause you to grieve. An unexpected demand for divorce might cause you to grieve. Accidentally uh, crashing into and maybe killing a pedestrian might also cause you to grieve. Sadly, some have faced terrible, th- this terrible season of life and only God can comfort them and, and help them to deal with the consequences of their actions. And In fact, the Holy Spirit is called the counselor and the comforter for a reason. And see, the Lord can help you and I with all kinds of grief. He can help to supernaturally heal us. In those seasons, many of you know that to be true. I don't know your life. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been through. But there are some of you this morning that I believe if I were to give you a microphone and say testify about that time, that dark time in your life, you would say only God. Only God. Things were broken. Things were messed up. Things were, you know, it was definitely a time to cry. And it was definitely a time to grieve. And it was definitely difficult. And I can say without a doubt that I am here today by the grace of God. That I made it through that season not by my own strength. I had no strength. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There will be times when it's right to dance to be happy and carefree. I said this in the earlier service. Some of us, we need to be careful. Sometimes we see people that that are giddy and happy uh, and rejoicing. And some of us, we think that God God has called us to be the, the joy police. That if somebody is laughing a little too much or having a little too much fun, it's my job to tell them to calm down. It is not your job. It is not my job. Uh, listen, I found out a long time ago, and, and I know that there are extremes in everything. Um, there are people that have been through different experiences with God, and during altar calls or during times of God moving supernaturally, uh, sometimes there is laughter, and people get nervous with laughter. We get nervous with emotion. Uh, sometimes people uh, get so uh, you know nervous that they'll leave. They just can't be in the middle of the. But God moves in so many different ways, in a variety of ways. And I saw people laughing at one time, and it was before I was knowledgeable to the seasons of life and what people have gone through. And I remember judging, because I know you've never done that. And so I, I judged, and I sat in a service, and I'm like, 
they're making all this racket and laughing. Like, why are they laughing? So like, this is church, man. God is holy. What are you laughing about? I had no idea what they had been through. I had no idea the brokenness they had been through in their life. I had no idea all that, that life had given them a, what they would have considered a bad deal. And uh, they're in this season right now where they're done crying and they're done grieving. And all of a sudden, they just feel like, man, I'm happy again. I have freedom again. I have rejoicing again. We are not the joy police. We are not the ones to, to quiet people down. We should want people to rejoice. We should want people to celebrate. And if it's their time of grieving, we, we should be patient with them. Weddings and parties are a great season to celebrate and enjoy festivities. And again, so both dancing and grieving are a part of life. Let's go to verse five again. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. Sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, what in the world is that talking about? Uh, listen, the, the scattering of stones, that might be a reference to tearing down altars, altars of idols. And gathering could be a reference to clearing fields for farming or gathering stones for buildings. We live in New England, and so where we live, there are many stone walls along the way. And I remember when I was younger and didn't have knowledge, I'd be like, well, that's an interesting fence that somebody chose to put there. And, and um, you know, a lot of times the history behind that is that someone was plowing a field, and every time they ran into a stone, they decided, you know what, we're going to put all the stones here, and, and with every season and every passing of every season that's what we're going to do and eventually they ended up with a, a fence and so they gathered stones in such a way that left a fence uh, but again the, the scattering might be the times when you need to tear things down times when you need to get rid of things that are idols embracing embracing is a way of showing passion uh, or affection I consider myself a passionate person I'm a crier um, I like to hug, and so sometimes that's weird. Sometimes uh, I'll, I'll be transparent. I, I forget that I'm not in church, and uh, it's not unheard of to, for this pastor, this guy, to, to hug a contractor or to hug a guy in the supermarket, and they're like, yo, what are you doing? Like, I, like you're a guy. You're a dude. I don't hug. And, and I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not in church. Um, and so that's who I am, passionate. I can be affectionate. And so embracing is a way of showing that. And again, this has to do with social structures um, and our relationships with others. Uh, turning away could refer to refusing to embrace sin, uh, refusing to agree with evil. And, and I think we're, uh, we can relate to that in our culture today. I hope that we don't embrace sin and that we refuse to agree with evil. Evil. Um, but as I think about the application of verse 5, uh, our God is a God of restoration. Who believes that this morning? Our God is a God of restoration. And, and if you've scattered some idols in your life, the beauty with God is that he makes beauty from ashes, doesn't he? He makes beauty from ashes. We know that his, uh, his love and his grace and his mercy, they, they will allow you to rebuild things better. And I talked earlier about our, our new location over on 87 Lowell Street. And, uh, you know, I've come full circle. I used to be a pastor on staff there 20, 25 years ago. And at the time it was called Lighthouse Assembly. 
And uh, I, I ran into some of the folks that used to attend way back, and, and God had given those folks a, a word that he would use that building, that white church, as a lighthouse for Rochester and as Crosspoint, as Crosspoint Church. I, 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 I feel like we're sort of gathering some stones to rebuild, to rebuild so that we will continue to be a lighthouse to Rochester, to be a lighthouse to our, our community. No matter what the name on the sign is, we are a lighthouse for Jesus. And I believe that God is going to use us in that way because, again, we are gathering the stones. We are bringing things together in the name of Jesus. And verse 6 says that there's a time to, uh, there's a time to search and a time to quit searching. I couldn't help but to think of Google or scrolling on our devices. Uh, sometimes there's a time to search and a time to quit. Um, and so a time to keep and a time to throw away. Um, anybody know any hoarders? Don't point any fingers. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. And uh, listen, we search for friendships. We search for jobs. We search for relationships. Uh, we search for material things, but, but the time to quit searching part, part, in part might, might also be translated a time to lose. And so there's a time in life when we should lose certain unhealthy friendships, unhealthy relationships, change some dead-end jobs, for instance. And also there are values and standards that we should keep uh, while others we need to get rid of. Hoarding is generally bad, by the way, just to let you know if you didn't know. Listen, this is true of habits and attitudes at times. Resentments need to be thrown away. Let me say that again. Resentments need to be thrown away. They need to stop obsessing and holding so tightly to unhealthy emotions. I believe that that is a trap and a plan of the devil. Satan wants to keep you obsessing. He wants to keep you thinking about that person that hurt you. He wants to keep you thinking about that season in life when things were just unhealthy and you were angry and you were resentful and you just hold on to all of this stuff. See, grudges and longstanding hurts need to be thrown away so that you can experience the blessings of God. So let it go. Let it go. Verse 7 says there's a time to tear and a time to mend. Tearing is a reference to, tearing is a forceful action. And so it might be that you're making room for something new by tearing off something old. Or either you're, you're outgrowing the old and so you're, you're growing out of it. Or, or it no, lo no longer rep represents who you are. And so maybe you need to rip it off as a sign of separation. And so it's a, a new season of your life. Mending is, is putting it back together, right? So, so you can mend cloth or you can mend relationships, but if you let Jesus in on the mending, he can make things beautiful. He can make things beautiful, so let him. Verse seven also mentions that there's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. Oh boy, there's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. This is hard for some of us. Hard. You, you've heard me say this before, but sometimes I really, really think that we like to hear the sound of our own voice. Like more than anything. But listen, sometimes we need to be quiet, and I'll say it nicely like that. Uh, God gave us one mouth and two ears for a reason. I'll let that sink in a little. God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. 
There are times when we hear, hear gossip and we shouldn't repeat it. There are also times when, we, when you and I, we need to speak truth into a situation. And so in those moments, it's time to speak up. It's time to have courage and speak up. And so be mindful of that too. Verse eight, there's a time to love and a time to hate. A time to love and a, a time to hate. See, love is the greatest positive emotion that you and I can have. God is love. We are to love our neighbors. We are to love, uh, you know, those around us, even our enemies. But, but when is it a good time to hate? That kind of sounds contradictory to the, to the, to the scriptures. I, I think of a, a young Abraham Lincoln, uh, the first time he saw human beings on, a, on an auction block, on slave blocks in New Orleans. Slavery was awful and, and it was a stain in our history. Lincoln felt hatred rising in his heart towards slavery. And he resolved that if he ever got a chance to smash it, he would do so. And, and so listen, his hatred towards slavery was right on. You and I, we should hate sin at every level and in every place. Let me say that again. You and I should hate sin at every level and in every place. And, and we like this one sometimes because we like to point out that sin. And we, we like to, you know, that person is doing this and that person is doing that. But I'm talking about sin at every level in every place. Like you just can't hate the sin in your neighbor. You have to hate the sin in your life too. See, sin separates us from God and, and hatred towards it should lead us to repentance. Verse eight goes on to say, there's a time for war and a time for peace. This is controversial with some people. I have friends that believe it's never a good time for war. They would, not, they would not endorse it. They have never, you know, every war that we've ever had to them was an unrighteous war. We should have never had it. And so, you know, I disagree. So when is there a right time for war? Maybe when evil tyrants ride over the rights of men and, and women and diplomacy fails to right wrongs. Like, uh, have you ever done everything? Like, it, it, you have done everything to avoid it, and there seems to be no other solution. Plus, there are actually times when a nation properly makes war to keep the long-term peace, to defend life, to see a righteous cause advanced and supported as far as times of peace. These, these times of peace should rule the day. As long as men value life, and God-given freedom, but sadly, wars are a fact of life. How many of you know that wars are a fact of life? Peace can, on, can only sometimes be achieved through war. And finally, let's skip down to verse 11 again. King Solomon says that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Say everything one more time. One more time, everything. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. With that thought, I'll say that timing is everything, but God's timing is perfect. Timing is everything, but God's timing is perfect. And this is coming from impatient Pastor Freddie. This is coming from one who does not like change, but when I'm into the change, I feel like God's not helping it happen fast enough. And so the reality is that you and I, we want everything yesterday or at least right now. And how many things can you think of that if you had had them sooner, your life might be messed up right now? Uh, think of a, a new race car. Would you give a 13 or a 14-year-old a new race car? 
they might get in a little bit of trouble. He has made everything beautiful in his own time. Again, God's timing is perfect. And so you and I, we, we really need to discern when the time is right for a move, when the time is right for a decision, when the time is right for real change, and then, then really let the Lord lead you into your next season of life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. <clears throat> Verse 11 goes on to say, he has planted eternity inside, in the human heart. I think because he planted eternity in every human heart, there's an awareness that something just isn't right when we don't consider God in our season of life. Maybe God has given us a little understanding that this world was not created to be this way. It wasn't created to be unfair and it wasn't created to be hateful and mean. And so when people see and experience those harsh realities, they are filled with frustration and confusion. But this is not the way it was meant to be. And so we begin to compare our season with somebody else's season. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but comparison kills contentment. It's the worst thing you can do is compare what somebody else is going through, through with what you're going through. Comparison kills contentment. In fact, I think most of us wish we could do life like a buffet so that we could take a little bit of this and a, a little bit of that and we could leave some of that behind. Listen, I'll take some of that season that you're in, Pastor. You seem to be in victory and rejoicing. So I'll take a little bit of that and I'll take a little bit of that season from my cousin Sarah and I'll take a little bit of that season from my friend Sam. And all that does is make you discontent in your own season. Listen to the rest of verse 11. It says, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's, God's work from beginning to end. And so I'll say that the future is very clear to our God. Amen? The future is very clear. He knows. But it's at best fuzzy and at times unclear to us. And so God knows what you need. God knows when you need it. And he'll see us through the seasons of our lives if we'll, if we'll uh, allow him to lead us, allow him to be a part. You see, weather forecasting has taught us a lot about the complexity of life. Like weather anywhere affects weather everywhere. Hurricanes down south, they hit one area hard and they typically become tropical storms that spread out and they affect everywhere. They even sometimes head up our way. Tornadoes in the Midwest, they hit hard. And surrounding towns, they get heavy winds and unusual weather patterns. Human life is infinitely more complicated than weather patterns. And really, Ecclesiastes simply teaches that we might have an inkling or a clue of what's really going on, and yet we are not capable of grasping everything that's happening. Only God can do that. Would you stand to your feet? And so the seasons of life are in the palm of God's hand. All we need to do is trust Him faithfully, no matter what season we find ourselves in right now. And listen, God will make everything, everything beautiful in his own time. God will make everything beautiful in his own time. Don't shortcut the process. God is working on your life. I don't know your season. You don't know mine. But I know that God is working. 
so let him work. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together in the name of Jesus and receive blessing from you, receive wisdom and instruction from you. I pray, God, that you would, in many instances, uh, allow us and help us to let you in, to let you in, God, that we would surrender our seasons, that we would surrender our lives so that you can help us to, to manage things. Lord, I believe you've got blessing. You, you've got a plan and a purpose for our lives. And so many times we want to control things and, and we want things a certain way, but your way is best. Help us, God, to accept your plan, to yield to it, and to let you teach us through it. Help us through it. Grow us through it. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Let's close in worship.